The Productive Woman, Episode 14. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast dedicated to productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Thank you so much for joining me. If, uh, if you've been with me in previous episodes, welcome back. I'm so glad you're here. And if this is your first time listening to The Productive Woman, welcome, welcome. I'm very glad you're here, and I hope I'm going to get a chance to get to know you in the time to come. In past episodes, we've talked a lot about time management, and um, in follow-up to some listener questions and also just some things that I've been thinking about, I, I thought it would be good to spend some time talking about managing our space and our stuff. So this week, I'll be talking about clutter. I'll also share my tip of the week, which is a simple step that could save you the heartache of losing all your treasured digital photos, and my tool of the week, which is a helpful and thought-provoking book, very relevant to this week's topic. So I'll talk about the tool of the week later in the show, but I wanted to start with the tip of the week, and and starting with a question. Do you take photos with your smartphone? Um, I think most of us do these days. I know I certainly do. It's really the only way I take photographs anymore. I know we have a digital camera somewhere, but honestly, we haven't had it out in ages. I'm not even sure where it is. I have, um, we have iPhones. I have one of the new iPhone sixes and it has just an awesome camera in it. And so that's what we use to take uh, photos. And I think that's true of a lot of us. Uh, There are two, uh, little issues that can arise from that convenient way of taking photos. And one of them is if you keep them all on there, they take up a lot of space, which can uh, create issues with your phone. But more important than that, if that's the only place where your photos are, how would you feel if your phone crashed or was stolen and you lost all those photos? So um, the tip of the week is to back up and or, or download your photo library regularly to avoid losing those photographs that you have taken and that mean so much to you. I mean, there are people who have literally hundreds of photos on their, uh, their iPhones or other smartphones, and that's the only place they have those photos. So, uh, you know, tragedy could ensue if something happened to that phone. So you want to get those photos off your phone and into other places where they'll be safe. There are a couple of ways you can do this. And I've, of course, as if you've listened before, you know, I'm a little bit of an Apple fan girl. And so I'm most familiar with the process and the options for backing up or or downloading photos from an iPhone. But um, and so that's what I'm going to talk mostly about. So basically what you're going to do um, is make sure you have iCloud backups activated on your iPhone. That's that's the first step and a very simple one. And the way you do that is on your home screen, you find the settings um, icon, you tap on that, scroll down and find iCloud, tap on that, and then scroll through the options until you find uh, the backup item and make sure and tap on that, make sure that backups are on. Uh, if as as long as iCloud backups are on, uh, your phone will automatically back up your photo library, your accounts, uh, any documents you have on your phone, and your settings whenever the fl- phone is plugged in, locked, and connected to Wi-Fi. And it, 
usually it does this like late at night. I, I was looking the last time my phone did it, it was like at one o'clock in the morning when you're not using it and it can kind of just pop up there and, and um, back these things up. So that's step one, very simple thing. It does it automatically. You never have to think about it again, but if something were to happen to your phone, you should be able to access those um, backups in the cloud and um, download them onto, you know, a replacement phone or something like that. Now, you know, as an aside, if you have seen, you know, you saw the news stories about the various celebrities like Jennifer Lawrence, whose iCloud accounts were hacked and they lost their photos, make sure you're using a, a good secure password for your iCloud account if you're doing this, especially if there's any photos in there you don't want made public. Um, second step, in addition to just activating the automatic backups, is to periodically plug your phone into your computer and do a backup to iTunes. That, um, that will back up your entire phone, everything on it, into a, and creates a separate, completely separate backup from this automatic one that goes to iCloud. So uh, again, that's so now you've got a second op uh, backup where your photos can be and other things can be re recaptured if something happens to your phone. Third option uh, is if if you're using a Mac, you can plug your phone into the computer periodically and open the Photos app, and it will it should automatically once it detects your phone your phone it'll ask you if you want it to download any photos that are on your phone that are new since the last time you did this. And you click yes, and it'll download them onto the computer into the photo library there. And then it'll ask you if you want uh, to leave those phones or those photos on your phone or have it delete them from you, your phone. And you can make that choice then. It's probably, unless there's some reason you need them on your phone, like it's you know photos of your grandchildren that you want to show your friends, uh, you can just as well have it delete them from the phone once they've been backed up in these various places. That frees up some space on your phone for uh, so it'll work better. Another option or another alternative is if you use Dropbox, you can activate uh, the photo upload uh, process or option in Dropbox, and that will automatically copy any photos, in, uh, any new photos from your phone into a special photo uploads folder in Dropbox whenever you plug your phone into your computer or um, open the Dropbox app on your phone. And so that's uh, yet another backup. And I mean, frankly, I do all of these things. I don't plug my phone into my computer very often, but every month or so, uh, you know, in addition to the automatic daily iCloud backups, every every month or so I, I plug in and, and do a complete backup to iTunes. And I do have this Dropbox uh, photo upload option activated. And I will uh, I sh put a link in the show notes to some instructions to how to do those things. I checked with a friend who uses an Android phone, and he tells me that they have nothing like the iCloud auto backup option for your photos. Um, he said he uses Dropbox for saving things, and he periodically plugs his phone into his computer, connects it to um somehow, I guess, to iTunes or something and saves the photos there. So if you use Android, look into the options uh, for doing that. But, you know, the bottom line is you, you just, you don't want, you know, treasured important photos to be on your phone and nowhere else. So uh, I, this is kind of a longer tip than I normally do, but it came up in a conversation 
recently where someone had lost, you know, hundreds of photos that can't be replaced. And I, I thought I'd throw that out there for you. So now let's get into um, the topic of the week, which is conquering clutter. And really, I think this is probably going to be a multi-episode um, topic that we'll talk about on and off in weeks to come because it's kind of a big issue. But I've been thinking a lot about stuff, about all the belongings that I have. And, and I'm one that, as much as I like organization and, and um, you know, uh, neatness and tidiness and all that, I, um, I really have a tendency to gather too much stuff. It's hard for me to get rid of things. And I think that's true for a lot of us. I, I know people who pay every month for rented storage for things that they haven't used or even looked at in years. And, you know, there are whole TV series based on looking at the lives of people who collect so much stuff they can barely move around their houses. But, you know, just because our homes aren't that bad and we're not, you know, they're not going to make an episode of Hoarders about us, doesn't mean that the stuff we've accumulated isn't contributing to the stress level in our lives. And if the goal is to manage our things among, you know, and, and all this, the, the stuff in our lives so that we can accomplish what we care about and make a life that matters, it's important to look at this component of all this stuff we have. A couple of years ago, I wrote a blog post about clutter. Um, actually, it was a review of a book that I'm going to tell you about later that's our, our tool of the week. And um, there's a link to the, I'll put a link to the, the blog post in the show notes. And I opened the post by saying this, most people I know, even those who have little in the way of financial resources, live lives of too much, too much stuff, too many activities, too much stress. Our homes are cluttered with accumulated possessions that we don't have time to enjoy because our days are cluttered with so many appointments and activities, including all the time it takes to clean, maintain, or pay for all those possessions. We're distracted and worn out by all this clutter. We have more than any previous generation in history, and we enjoy it all less. And I read that again in preparation for this episode, and I thought, yep, yep, that's so true. There are real costs to having too much stuff. And, you know, let's look at some of those, because this kind of sets a, a backdrop for thinking about what to do with the stuff that we have. Um, there are costs in terms of financial costs, buying all this stuff, storing it, cleaning it, maintaining it. Um, there are time costs in terms of, again, cleaning it, maintaining it, finding it when we need it, moving it around to get to whatever it is we really want. Um, there is uh, our costs of energy, again, in cleaning it, taking care of it, or just thinking about it. There are safety costs to having too much stuff. It can be a health and safety hazard. If you've ever tripped over stuff in your house or had stuff fall on your head when you opened a closet, uh, it truly can be a safety hazard and, you know, uh, makes it harder to keep things clean and, 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 you know, sanitary. There are costs in terms of lost focus and serenity. A cluttered environment makes it hard to concentrate and hard to relax. And, and there are costs in terms of 
building a life, the, the, the life that we want. I, I loved this quote that I read uh, in an article that I read while I was preparing for this episode. The writer, and I'll have a link in the show notes. The writer said, when your house is full of things from your past, things that only remind you of who you were, you very literally have no room for who you are now and who you are becoming. And I thought, wow, you know, that really is true. If we've got all this stuff that we're keeping that uh, reminds us of our past and who we have been in the past and the things we've done, uh, it makes it very hard to develop a life that's focused on today and on the tomorrow that we're trying to build for ourselves. So, you know, there really are costs to having all this stuff. And um, that begs the question, then why do we have it all? And there are lots of reasons, I think, why, you know, as I was kind of thinking through this and doing a little bit of research and mostly just kind of thinking about, well, why do I keep stuff? Because my husband will tell you, I like, I like to keep stuff. Um, this is a challenge for me. So don't think that I'm, I'm talking as an expert here. Why? Well, we want to be prepared for anything. You know, I might want to bake Christmas cookies with my grandchildren someday. So I'm going to keep those Christmas cookie cutters that I've never used and don't even remember I have when the grandchildren are there. Or, you know, I might need X someday. And so I keep this thing forever and ever. But, you know, really, what are the consequences of not having that, you know, whatever that X is? That's something we need to think about. Uh, as we're kind of under, undertaking this process of trying to um, better manage the stuff that we have in the space that we put it in. Um, but that sort of need to, you know, be the good Girl Scout, the good Boy Scout, whatever, and always be prepared can lead to us keeping stuff that, you know, we really don't have a need for. Another uh, reason maybe why we keep stuff and keep too much stuff is a, a need for abundance or conversely, a fear of scarcity. And I mean, honestly, whether, whether or not you grew up in, you know, poor conditions, um, with not having much, uh, as a child or whatever, it, 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 whether or not that's the case, many of us harbor this kind of unconscious need to surround ourselves with stuff as, as a security blanket against lack, this kind of hidden, subterranean fear of, of not having something. Um, so that's something to, to think about as a, a, maybe a reason why we're gathering up all this stuff. A third reason is sentimental attachment. And I, you know, I, I'll confess this almost, I, I say sort of jokingly, but I don't think my, I think my husband thinks it's not really a joke. Everything has sentimental value to me. It's hard for me to throw away, you know, ticket stubs from events that I've gone to and stuff like that. Um, everything has a memory attached. You know, children's artwork, your grandmother's doilies that you never use because they don't go with your house, your high school prom dress. Are you hanging on to things that are memories of the past? Uh, and we'll talk later about some things you can do about that. But, you know, maybe the answer is to take a really good digital photograph of that and, and, and cherish that you can, you know, pull up that photograph, make it the, the screensaver on your computer and always be able to look at it and then um, do something else with the item itself. For me, 
you know, I, I was thinking, as I was thinking about the, the preparing for this episode, I was thinking, well, what are the things that I'm keeping out of a sentimental attachment? And I, two things came to mind. One of them is the homeschooling textbooks and worksheets and, you know, all these various materials that I used when I was homeschooling my kids. Well, well, my youngest child is 20, and I stopped homeschooling almost 15 years ago. And yet I've still, I realized this literally just today as I was thinking about this, I've still got all that homeschool stuff, uh, which, uh, you know, it's taking up space. I'm not doing anything with it, and nobody else can use it either. Um, I'm not going to lose my memories by getting rid of those things if I give those to someone else who can use them. Uh, but I am going to gain back space in my home uh, that's less cluttered. Another item that uh, I realized that I'm keeping um, for sentimental reasons and for the memories that are attached to them are the notes and preparation materials and resource materials and the supplies from when I taught childbirth classes. Uh, Many years ago, I I taught childbirth classes for a couple of years, and I labor-assisted and did all this, and I still have all the stuff, the videos I use for classes, all my notebooks that I use, my outlines that I taught from, and the, you know, I mean, literally everything, including the plastic model pelvis and the little model infant that my, one of my classes named Baby Jesse. Those are sitting on a shelf in my home, and I haven't taught childbirth classes in almost 20 years. So, you know, I'm I'm sort of having my own epiphany as I was preparing for this episode of some things that I need to think about. Uh, another reason uh, we hang on to stuff is guilt. You know, it was a gift, so I can't just toss it or give it away, even if it doesn't fit or or I don't like it or or whatever. Or maybe I spent money on those shoes, you know, and haven't I've only worn them once. If I give them away, won't I have wasted the money? Well, the fact is I'm wasting the money. I, the, it was wasted anyway if I've never worn them. Why not give them to someone who will appreciate and enjoy and wear them if I'm really not going to use them? But guilt can be a powerful motivator to keeping things um, that, you know, if it was a gift, it's like, am I throwing away that person by giving away something they gave me. Sometimes we keep things to avoid decision-making. I call this the for-now disease. We've got something, we're not quite sure whether we're, what to do with it, so we put it aside to decide you know, later what we're going to do with it, and it just th- those things pile up and pile up and pile up. And finally, you know, in some cases, it's, it's this unconscious need for distraction. Clutter around us can keep us from focusing on other issues, whether emotional or relational or whatever, um, because we're distracted by all this stuff around us. So there's lots of reasons why we hang on to stuff. But what can we gain by simplifying and decluttering? Well, it's kind of the opposite of what it costs us. We can certainly save money, both in uh, the stuff we don't buy anymore, the stuff we don't have to clean or maintain or repair or take care of or pay for storage for. That's all money that can, we can do other things with. We save time in not having to clean this stuff or move it around or um, look for things that are lost in, in the midst of the clutter. We recover the energy that we've spent messing with or thinking about all this stuff. 
and we, we can recover a better focus and a more relaxed and serene life by creating a space around us that is not full up with, with stuff. Um, we can get a sense of accomplishment for mastering the challenge and creating the kind of beautiful, peaceful space that we feel proud of and feel happy in. And we can have the satisfaction of benefiting others if we give things to charity and, or, or to you know, someone we know who can enjoy and appreciate whatever this item is, you know, these things are that we're not using anyway. They're just taking up room in our homes. Um, you know, I mean, how many, I don't know, how many wooden spoons do you really need? How many of those, you know, if you keep the two best ones and give the rest of them away, uh, somebody else can make good use of them whatever that might be, whatever, you know, those things are, uh, you know, for, for one of the things, uh, for getting more sort of motivation towards simplifying and decluttering, one of the resources that I would recommend you, um, check into is a podcast and website called simple life together. And I'll put a link in the show notes, but this is a really cool, um, podcast in which a married couple, Dan and Vanessa Hayes, talk about their journey towards simplifying their life. And they are, I mean, they really have made an art form out of simplification and, you know, how, how much can they pare down their life and still live full lives with their children? I highly recommend this. If you have time to listen to another podcast and you're looking for some motivation and some ideas for simplifying, uh, again, it's called Simple Life Together. And I, I will have a link in the show notes. So, uh, in the few minutes we've got left, I wanted to just throw out some things uh, about a process of for decluttering. And uh, there's not enough time to go into much detail here, and we will we will go into more detail and more practical stuff in future episodes. But I wanted to throw out a few tips for you to consider as you think about simplifying, decluttering, um, organizing your space and the things that you belong or the, the belongings that you have. And the first one is to have a vision in mind for your space, whatever room or rooms you're talking about. And, and this is a, a, a shift in attitude or a shift in focus. Instead of focusing on getting rid of stuff, focus on what you want that space to be like. For instance, do you want your kitchen to be a clean, clear, efficient cooking space, or maybe a warm, inviting gathering spot for family and friends? Um, do you want your master bedroom to be a peaceful retreat for you and, and for your husband if you're married? Think about, create a vision in your mind of what you want uh, each space that you're going to be uh, cleaning and decluttering, what you want it, what purpose you want it to serve, what feeling you want to have in that space, and hold that in your mind because rather, again, it's rather than a negative perspective of, oh, I'm going to have to get rid of some of my neat stuff. It's moving toward something positive. I'm going to create something beautiful or comfortable or whatever, a space. Um, that I that I love and and feel feel happy in, and that vision of the space is what you're going to work toward. Instead of thinking about oh I have to get rid of stuff, it's sort of like Michelangelo, the artist, who when he was asked how he created this gorgeous uh, world, you know now world famous sculpture of David, he said he simply looked at that chunk of marble and carved away everything that wasn't David. 
And, and here, again, the attitude is to create a goal of going through our belongings little by little, um, removing things um, that don't create the environment we want to live in, creating a space in which everything we own is either very useful and regularly used or beautiful or both. So that's just an attitude, um, a starting point. Second tip is don't overwhelm yourself. Start small. We've talked about this in other contexts in previous episodes, but you know, in this case, in the, the, the perspective of, of organizing and decluttering, start small. Look at one room at a time. Maybe set aside three hours on one day and not say, I'm going to totally go through this room, but just say, I can do three hours or two hours, whatever it is, and see what you get done in that one room. Maybe you are so crazy busy, you can't carve out even three hours right now. Um, So you're going to create a project to do that in the future. But for now, use small chunks of waiting time to declutter one shelf or one drawer at a time. You know, you're going to create little pockets of order. Uh, If you only have a couple of minutes, maybe you just quickly scan one drawer and just take out everything that can be thrown away. And then next time you've got a couple minutes, you go look at that drawer real quickly and pull out everything that belongs somewhere else and put it where it belongs. So the idea is to start small, not, this is not, I'm going to declutter my whole house this weekend. Uh, You'll make yourself crazy and, and that's not a good thing. So again, starting small. Uh, In terms of how you work at it, you want to have maybe set up three bags or boxes in the space that you're working on. One for things to keep, one for trash, and one for charity. And maybe, maybe a fourth box for things that need cleaning or repair. Um, but you go through whatever space you're working on and you use those boxes. You, you know, throw things that are into the trash box, into the I'm keeping this or the charity box. And then when you're done for with that session, you're going to toss the trash, you're going to put the keep items away, and you're going to take the charity box to whatever your um, chosen charity spot is right away and get it out of your house. Um, when you're undertaking a, a decluttering process for a particular area of your home or office, set some parameters for yourself. For instance, when I clean the closet, I'm going to give away anything I haven't worn in the last six months other than maybe seasonal gear like a ski jacket or a bathing suit or everything that doesn't fit me, you know, something like that. Before you start, have those parameters in mind, and it helps the decision-making go more quickly. In terms of ongoing stuff, um, uh, make a pact with yourself that for every new thing you bring into the house or your office or whatever space you're trying to declutter, you're going to toss or give away one thing or maybe better yet, two things, you know. So if you bring in a new utensil into the kitchen, you got to take two utensils uh, out and, you know, give them to the Salvation Army or something. Uh, another tip is to try the, the, the brown box approach and make the items in your space earn their space. For instance, empty your kitchen cupboards or, or your cluttered desk drawers, or your bathroom cabinets, whatever space you're working on, put everything in a box, and put that box in the next room. 
And then, then as time goes on, when you need something that's in the box, because you're going to use it, you take it out of the box. And when you're done with it, you put it in an appropriate place in that room, you know, in, in, on the a shelf or wherever's the right space for it. And time goes by and any, basically anything that's left in the box after a month or six weeks or whatever, you set that time for yourself, um, you don't need it. So get rid of it. Um, it, it hasn't earned its space in your life if you haven't used it in that period of time. And finally, consider digitizing your photos. Um, and that can be an ongoing process. If you get a really good scanner, and I think I've talked about the ScanSnap scanner that I have and really love, um, just scan any, you know, actual physical photographs that you have and uh, save them on into Evernote or you know, a file on your computer that you back up regularly. Um, and then you, by doing this, you've got them where they're never, you know, they're not going to fade or get destroyed because of the weather or time. Uh, and they're going to be available to you wherever. A few, few years ago, my husband did this with just thousands of family photos, both ours and his parents and, and was able to use those for all kinds of things. He created a wonderful photo, um, kind of slideshow thing for the, his parents' 50th wedding anniversary celebration. It was just wonderful. And he could do that because he had taken the time over a period of weeks or months scanning these things in. And now we have those photos forever. You can do the same thing with children's projects or artwork or, you know, take a digital photo of them, whatever, and then you can discard the actual item. Um, there is so much more that can be said about this and we will talk about it more in coming episodes. Um, in the meantime, if you're inspired and you want to dive in and get some more direction and ideas for decluttering now, I have a really wonderful recommended resource and that's my tool of the week. And it's a book called Organized Simplicity by Tish Oxenrider. And, um, I will, uh, put a link in the show notes to this, but it's basically just a wonderful book that, um, Tish wrote and she has a website as well. And again, link in the show notes, uh, which you will find at theproductivewoman.com. Look for episode 14. Um, she just writes this great book where she it's, it's subtitled the clutter free approach to intentional living. And she talks in the beginning of the book, book about what her purpose was. And she says this, I want to help you find that peaceful place where your pocketbook, your home, and your weekly routine reflect your family's convictions and values. She gives some really great background on the why of simple living and some thoughts about how uh, our complex lives contribute to stress in the mo typical modern family. Um, uh, just some really interesting background there. And then sets this um, image, uh, kind of ma really ma does a great job of making the case for a more simplified life. And, uh, and then the rest of the book is very practical step-by-step -step approaches to uh, decluttering, decluttering, simplifying, organizing your home to create that environment that you and your family are going to be really happy in. Really, really loved this book and found so much useful in it. There's, there's just all kinds of really useful information, and she has a bunch of resources at the back that she recommends. So look for that in the show notes and check that out, and let me know what you think. 
Bottom line is there are lots of steps that can be taken to organize our belongings and make our space and our lives more orderly. And we will talk about those in future episodes. But the first step really is to take a serious look at the amount of stuff we have. Think about why we're keeping it. Think about what we need and why we need it and begin to simplify our lives by reducing the amount of stuff we have, giving ourselves the space to breathe and think and to create the life we want for ourselves and our families. So what do you think? Is clutter a problem for you? Do you have too much stuff, even if it's well organized and carefully stored? What's your biggest clutter challenge or your best tip for conquering clutter? I would love it if you'd share your thoughts with me and with the other listeners and readers um, by going to theproductivewoman.com, episode 14, and scroll down to the comments section and uh, hope to hear from you about that. Before we wrap this up, uh, just a couple quick announcements. I'm going to keep reminding you that I want this podcast to be useful to you and interesting. So if there is something you'd like me to talk about, a question that's burning in your mind related to productivity kinds of things, uh, something you're struggling with or that you think folks ought to hear, or a, a, a productive woman that you think I should invite on the show as a guest, let me know. You can email your questions or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com Or you can leave a voice message by going to theproductivewoman.com and clicking on the pink tab at the right-hand side of the website. Be sure to tell me who you are. Like, hey, hi, I'm Susan from San Francisco. And, uh, you know, if you have a blog or a website, tell me what the URL is for that. If I use your question or your suggestion in an episode, I'll be sure and share your site as well so folks can find you. Uh, I am... Again, very happy to be part of the Noodle Mix network of podcasts, uh, joining some really great podcasts such as Beyond the To-Do List, which is one of my favorite productivity-related podcasts. Also, the Audacity to Podcast, The Ramen Noodle, and some really fun podcasts uh, around various TV shows like Once um, and, and some of the other TV shows that folks talk about. So, check I, I i'm i'm really very proud to be in com- the company with these podcasts and the folks that make them so i hope you'll check out our other podcasts to make you think laugh and succeed at noodle.mx and uh, very soon the productive woman will be on its own website in fact by the time you hear this it may already be there But if you've subscribed to the podcast in iTunes or Stitcher or via email at my personal website where the the podcast has been hosted up until now, you shouldn't have to do anything to keep getting new episodes. They should just continue to come to you. That is it for this 14th, is that right? 14th episode of The Productive Woman. Thank you again for spending this time with me. I hope you found something in it that is useful to you. Uh, If you're enjoying the podcast and haven't already subscribed, remember that you can subscribe to The Productive Woman in iTunes or in Stitcher. Links to both are in the show notes at theproductivewoman.com. Look for episode 14 and you can just click on the link and it'll take you right to either iTunes or Stitcher where you can subscribe. Uh, You can also click on the iTunes or Stitcher icon Uh, in the sidebar of the blog. However you subscribe, that means you'll get each new episode straight to your favorite podcast listening app. 
as soon as it's released. And if you think the podcast is worthwhile and might be helpful to other folks, I really would appreciate it if you'd consider posting a review of The Productive Woman on iTunes and um, because that will help keep it visible, make it easier for people to find it and be part of this. And finally, as always, uh, I invite you to consider joining the conversation on Facebook. Look for The Productive Woman on Facebook, like the page, and uh, while you're there, Uh, leave a little post to introduce yourself and uh, let me get to know you. I do want to hear from you. I look forward to talking to you again in the next episode. And until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter.